0: Just as we're worshiping this morning, just have a sense that, um, you get a sense that there's a lot of concerns and stress in the world right now. Anyone feel that? Man, I felt that this week. A lot. And then Dave and Linda were singing songs about taking our concerns and our pains to Jesus. And I wonder, I think I complain to people a lot more than I should. And I complain to Jesus a lot less than I should. Um... And I just wonder, if you have a burden on your heart, if you're hurting and there's hurt and there's pains, right? We don't get it right all the time, do we, in life? We don't steer through every situation with perfection. We need to go to God and then we need to go to each other. We need to find ways to work through that uh, together. It's not easy, but it's good. But if you're here today and you're hurting or you've been frustrated, have you talked to Jesus about it? Have you wept before him? Have you given him your pain and your struggles? Just do that. Just do that. Well, it's so good to be with you all as we take some time to finally wrap up this series called Fruit Salad. I remember when I first suggested the name of this series, Fruit Salad, it took everyone a minute, but it does make sense, right? All the independent fruits coming together to make something delicious and tasty. Uh, We've taken a long, deep dive into fruit Into the Fruits of the Spirit, and this deep dive has taken us actually about four months to do, right? We've paused for Easter and a few services along the way, but we actually began this series on the first fruit of the Spirit, which is love, on February 20th, if you can believe it. And as we kicked that series off, I had mentioned that as we journeyed through, we would have certain fruits of the spirit that would be kind of like our favorites. Like for me, like I, I like uh, pineapple a lot. I like melons, and I'm not a huge raspberry guy. I like them in pies, but like just independent on their salad, like I would, you know. And then I'm going to have other fruits. So I'm going to have fruits that I I'm drawn to that are easy to digest for me. They they seem to based on who God's made me to be, they come a little easier. I'm more submissive to the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to have these fruits that are just horrible. I have so much learning to do. I have so much growth to encounter. I need to empty myself of so much and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and do more work in and through my life. And we also talked about this, this idea of the fruit of the Spirit over the fruit of this world and how the work that we're called to do as Jesus followers is the work of allowing us to have the posture of a submissive spirit so that the the Holy Spirit, and so so that can be what can make their home in us, right? So that they can flow through us, and so that can be what pours out of our lives. As believers in Jesus, as people who proclaim his name, we're all in this position of constantly needing to prioritize our faith and our trust in God. We need to practice what Jesus has called us to, even when it is not easy, and rely on the power of his Holy Spirit. And it is often not easy. Not once in the Bible does it say, Jesus has an easy path, following him is a piece of cake. It does say, rely on him that my yoke is easy, my burden is light, because he journeys with us. But it also says, life is hard and we know you will have trouble. And uh, as I think about some of these things that are difficult in life, you know, have you ever been in a tough situation and had to forgive someone? You know, forgiveness can be hard. You know, not judging others who think differently than you can be hard. Loving those who have harmed or offended us is hard. And living sacrificially and in service of things that are not your own kingdom is hard. The lives that we are called to live as Christian people... Are lives that are impossible to do on our own strength and abilities. The lives that we are called to live as Christians are lives that are impossible to live on our own strength and our own abilities. It takes the redemptive, forgiving, powerful work of Jesus and his spirit at work constantly flowing through us to make it possible. I also want to be very clear with each and every one of you that this especially includes pastors, pastors of all ages, shapes, and sizes. Um, For years as a pastor, I've wanted to make myself a t-shirt that says I'm a pastor, not a saint. (laughs) Um, And I want to let you all know that as we've journeyed through these fruits, uh, I've been keenly aware that I have work to do on myself. That I'm not perfect, that I have areas where I'm thriving and areas where I struggle, that I've not arrived. And especially some of these weeks have been especially challenging personally and professionally as Jesus begins to shape and challenge me and show me where I'm massively deficient. <laughs> Jesus fill me now. Um, if you've ever hung out with ministry leaders or pastors or had a pastor as a close personal friend, I think one of the struggles that would be constantly identify in this career path is the burden or the feeling of the burden of perpetual perfection. And uh, so I stand before you today as a leader who wants to take these things seriously. I want to take them to heart. I want to live out my faith authentically. And I want to live it out practically. I want to try to set an example for others. But I'm also going to do that imperfectly. And as a church family and as Christ followers, we're all called to do this together. All these same things, all these same pressures I just identified for myself or within pastoral ministry, we're all called to. <clears throat> are there any times as you've journeyed through your life as a Christian that you've just thought, why after all this time following Jesus am I still so bad at it? Um, have any of you ever felt this way? that You're just missing the mark. You go through maybe weeks or months and you're just like, it is just not clicking for me. I am really struggling with this. Um, after all this time in ministry, after all this time serving Jesus, I often feel like I have so much more now to learn and to surrender uh, than I felt like when I first began my journey. And it's this funny, funny journey, being a Christian is funny. In some ways we make all this progress and we do learn more. And God does shape us. And in other ways, I just still feel like an infant. And the more I learn about God, the the more distance I feel like I have to go. So it's good then that if we ever feel this way or when we have these seasons, I can read verses. Verses like Psalms 46 verse 1, which said, God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. Thank you, God. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're there to help me and support me, to love me, to care for me, and to hold me when things are hard. Thank you that there's verses like Hebrews four fourteen to 16, that says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find the grace to help us in our time of need. As we wrap up this series, as we try to live lives that submit to Christ, as we try to uh, empty ourselves of the stuff that shouldn't be there and make room for the Holy Spirit to flow through us with the gifts of His Spirit, uh, we need to remember that our Savior is present and here right now. He is here to help and to guide and to lead and to fill and to repair. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit are both full, completely full of unending mercy, grace, forgiveness, and power. Amen? Jesus wants deep and fruitful relationship with you every day for your whole life. He created you and he loves you. No matter how many times you have failed, no matter how many times you struggle, he is right there to empower you, to pick you up, and help you to live life in his kingdom once more. That is good news. You know, the good news that we find as Christians when we meet Jesus continues to be the good news that continues to redeem and save us every day. Thank you, God. So whatever whatever you came in here with today, whatever you walked in with, any pain or any victory Jesus will stand with you and beside you, and he is not ashamed of you. He wants to do life with you. And we just have to say yes every day, every moment, when things are going well, when we're struggling, say yes to him. And that is really what we're trying to do. That is what we're trying to do here at Grand Valley Church, imperfectly, learning how to do it better and better. We want to be the kind of church, as a reminder to you all, that is passionate about being with Jesus and encountering the powerful presence of God. We want to be a church where we become like Jesus. That is having our character be shaped by the Spirit so that we look like Jesus and the Spirit and the Father as we go through our lives. And we want to be a church that behaves like Jesus, that does the things outward in a visible way that Jesus would do whether it's seeing people redeemed and healed and loved, even when it's difficult, um, or uh, leading others to Him, sharing His good news, or just simply living outwardly, expressing the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit in practical everyday life. Right? As we've journeyed through this series, we're going to move into another series. Uh, very soon, as Ralph mentioned, it's on the Holy Spirit, and it's going to really take us into the time of Pentecost. And all of these series that we've been focusing on, the fruit, the person of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, all these things belong in the being category, becoming, excuse me, becoming like Jesus. Because they all have to do with how our character is transformed and shaped, right? This is a big deal because what is in our character spills out as we move through life and get bumped and I started this series with the image of these cups on either side of the stage that were full. Do you remember when I did that? Well, what happens, right? What happens as we go through life, if our character is what's in us, if I start to shake this too much, what's going to happen? It's going to spill a little. It's going to get all over everything, isn't it? And that's the cup analogy. And so it's really, really important in this discipleship process, whoa, that could have been bad, um, that we constantly surrender our lives in an ongoing way to becoming like him because what is in us spills out of us and gets on everything. And that's good news if we're full of the right stuff and it's bad news if we're really struggling. Because just like we can spread goodness and love and peace and joy and self-control, we can also spill anxiety, fear, uh, harmful words, destruction, So we need to be in constant submission to Jesus and His Spirit as we endeavor to become like Him. Long after this series is finished, long after we've wrapped up this journey of the fruits of the Spirit, we're still going to be at it, committing ourselves to learning and growing every day. Because discipleship will be the pursuit of our lifetime as Christ followers. Discipleship will be the pursuit of our lifetime as Christ followers. And I'm here to say, if you're listening online, this church has not gotten it right perfect. We're not perfect yet. We don't have it all figured out. We still have a ways to go, but we're going to keep pushing and keep growing and keep learning and keep submitting because we want to get it right. We want to follow you, Jesus, with excellence, with love, and with power. So with that as an intro, how about we take a look at self-control? Self-control. <laughs> don't worry. I know it's Mother's Day and I will obey Ralph's good suggestion and not keep you here too, too long today. There's a pastor and author by the name of David Mathis who said this, true self-control is not about bringing ourselves under our own control, but under the power of Christ. Last week, Ralph did such a beautiful job of preaching on gentleness. It was a beautiful sermon. If you missed it and you weren't here, uh, go back to our podcast and give it a listen. It was fabulous. So gentleness and self-control or self-discipline, as it's often referred to in other Bible passages or translations, are quite related in that they're not about meek, meekness or weakness, but they are about holding great power under control. Uh, It also ties to this idea that we have to make an intentional choice to use our energy and our power and our gifts in a positive way, a sustainable way, that leads to the most amount of redemption and goodness possible. A serious discussion on self-control also asks the question, who do we submit to and who do we serve? Who or what are we allowing to control us? the love and the self-control of the Holy Spirit is here and present to serve us and equip us. The love and the self-control of the Spirit is also here to serve and equip the church and the mission of God's kingdom. When we think of God's power, when we think of the Holy Spirit, is his presence showing up with gentleness and under self-control how we imagine it? I often don't, don't think of that. I don't think of the Holy Spirit if he was to just show up and manifest his presence and power, that it would show up in gentleness and with self-control. I want to be really clear with everyone and I, I want to be a little careful. And I want to say very clearly, I am not trying to limit the Holy Spirit's power. I'm not trying to limit his gifts, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, or his presence in any way. But I do want to shut down fear Fear that any one of us may have with fully trusting God and the Spirit so that we w- potentially don't experience anything new from Him. There's a verse in 2 Timothy 1-7. Maybe a bunch of you know it. It's a verse I love. It's been a bit of a life verse for me. It says in the New Century Version, God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control in this translation. Yeah which is oddly ideal for my purposes this morning, I admit. Okay? God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. So who is the spirit that God gave us? What does it say? Who is that spirit? The Holy Spirit. It's not just random spirits of love and power and joy. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the person of the Holy Spirit, right? That's who God gave us. What does it say that this spirit does not lead us to? So if this spirit comes and manifests his presence amongst us, does it lead to fear? Does it lead to anxiety? Does it lead to pain? No. Do we believe that? Are we maybe afraid or nervous sometimes? But what would happen if Jesus' presence just showed up? What does the spirit do? What does it say that the spirit does in this verse? He fills us with what? Power. Power. He fills us with great power and great love and great control. Whoa, that's weird. Great power, great love, and great self-control. You know why? The God that we worship is communal and personal. He wants relationship with you as individuals, but he wants relationship with us collectively. And it doesn't matter what background you've come from. If you're Pentecostal, if you're Baptist, if you're Anglican, it does not matter. The Spirit wants relationship with everyone. And as believers, no matter where we're from, we're all connected to the same Spirit. And it's necessary for each one of us. We can actually not live out the words and ways of Jesus without the Spirit. It cannot happen this means that the love, when the love and power of God is manifest in our services, it's a communal experience as well as a deeply personal one at the same time. And I want to say that God's Spirit will never harm you. God's Spirit will never lead you into fear. And the Spirit of God is consistent and in perfect alignment with the person of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, is not going to do something in one corner of the room that is setting someone free in love and power and then in another corner of the room causing pain and confusion. That is not the Spirit of God. Any spirit or situation where that's happening is not from the Holy Spirit and is not from Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23 talks about this idea of running our lives in a race. Like we're in a race, excuse me. And the need for self-discipline and self-control so that it allows us to run in such a way that we win. And there is a huge, massive link between our self-control and our self-discipline and our ability to run our race well and persevere persevere through life. The power of the Spirit's self-control in each one of us is what empowers us and equips us to have the discipline it takes to be faithful over our whole lives during the very high moments and the very low moments that life brings. And I love this verse in Proverbs 16.32. This verse, the more I read it, the more it gives me something to think about. It says, Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than the one who takes a city. I have to process that for a while, actually, because... I kind of want to take this city for Jesus and I kind of want to do all this stuff that's like big and important for him. Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. Excuse me while I chew on that for a few months. Um, I want to say though that verses like this are good news for us all because have you ever felt that your life can be a bit frantic? Have you ever felt that? just life kind of scaling more and more out of control, I want to say that God is not. God is not frantic. He is patient and he is controlled. And he knows the outcome and he's not in a rush. He calls us into a journey that is one step and one day at a time. A journey where we're invited into partnership with someone that we can count on who is constant, who does not waver across time and circumstances like we are prone to do. If we're going to thrive and last on a lifetime of mission and in community with each other, we need God to miraculously fill us with his self-control. Our self-control is the exercise of inner strength under the direction of the Holy Spirit's sound judgment that enables us to do, think, and say the things that are pleasing to God. Can I say that one more time? Our self-control is the exercise of inner strength under the direction of the Holy Spirit's sound judgment that enables us to do, think, and say the things that are pleasing to God. It is good. I like it. You guys still with me? So God, would you help us to think and to say and to do the things that please you first because we possess self-control by your spirit. God, would you help us to run a race in a way that is controlled and disciplined and brings honor to your name. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. As we wrap up today, not just on this idea of self-control, but on this series of the fruits of the Spirit, I want to read a passage for you all that's out of Romans 8. Romans 8, 1-17. And I want to close in a prayer asking that God would fill us with His Spirit. The Spirit full of the fruits of the Spirit. The full Spirit that is full of the gifts that we need to thrive in our lives so that we can live for Him. Effectively, the passage heading, actually, if you see it in your Bible, might even read something like Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. Here it is, Romans 8, 1-17. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement, righteous requirement of the law may be fully met in us. We do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds sets, set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life If Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the the raised Jesus gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Yeah, that's a smack. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Again, rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by Him... We cry, Abba, Father, and the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And now, if we are the children, we are heirs. If we are children, we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may share in his glory. Amen. That is a passage. As we close this morning, I just want to invite uh, the whole house to just bow their heads with me. I'm going to pray for a moment. And as I pray, I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit's presence into your minds and hearts. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. I want you to ask the Spirit for the miraculous filling of His gifts and fruits. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit that he would equip you to put more faith and trust in him as you give more and more of your life to seeking him and living for him. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just come before you now. And in confidence, we believe, God, that you're so present here amongst us right now. Your spirit indwells with every person who is called out for salvation in the name of Jesus Christ through his finished work on the cross. And God, right now, if any of us lack in any area, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, that this would be a place full of your love and joy and peace. God, that we would know your patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And God, that we would live lives that are full of gentleness and self-control towards each other and towards those who are not in this place. And God, would you help us to be very honest with ourselves? Would your spirit help us to reflect with integrity where it is that we need your spirit to do a deeper work in us? God, I confess before you that I need you. I need your spirit. Sometimes I get in the habit of just Continuing to try to live life on my own and in my own strength. And that leads to death, to frustration, to things that are not from you and not from your kingdom. God, I pray that as we submit our lives to you, you would equip us for the journey that you have us on. God, would you equip us for the journeys that you have us on? Would you help me to live a life of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness? Would you help me to be faithful and gentle and have self-control? And Jesus, may we not be afraid of your spirit. May we be open and ready to receive new things and new experiences because we trust that you are good. We're so thankful, Jesus, for what you have blessed us with, for what you have given us, and we say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have done. In your beautiful name, and everyone said together, amen.